Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I think one of the things the coronavirus has done to just lay bare the fact that our globalized economy is an economy that really works for China, first and foremost, and not for the United States, certainly not for American workers. Our supply chains, where are they now? In China. Our medical devices, where are they made? China. Our pharmaceuticals, where are they made? China. Our big tech companies, who do they want to do business with? China. I think it's time that we asked ourselves, what kind of an economy have we allowed to be created, and what is it doing for American workers? We need some structural reform. That's Senator Josh Hawley. This might be the biggest thing that comes out of the coronavirus on the other end is a different relationship with China. We've been kind of ignoring the fact that we use we allow slave labor to bring us cheap socks and that sort of thing for years. But so let's talk about that with Ian Bremmer, president and founder of Eurasia Group. Uh, it's always a pleasure. Ian, how are you, sir? Very well. But, you know, I mean, the Chinese are too expensive to make our socks right now. That's largely Bangladesh. Excellent. So, uh, but uh, cheap consumer goods, electronics <laughs> yeah. in particular, to, to fixate on socks at this moment, I think, would be a mistake. <laughs> the bigger picture is what we're looking tell at. I you that. I mean, why are you focusing on socks? <laughs> I was a for instance, and maybe it was a bad for instance in general, okay. Ian. <laughs> we'll take that. So, we'll hey, it, do you think this is going to be an inflection point, as the kids say, and, and how big a one in terms of the world and specifically the U.S.'s willingness to be in bed economically with China? I do, uh, because especially most people are quarantining right now, which means they're not wearing shoes. They're walking around their house in socks. <laughs> so we're going to need a lot more. It's becoming a, a nationally strategic important asset. And if all of them are coming from China, clearly we're going to need to stop that. We're going to need to bring that production back to the United States. 
Most of us didn't realize that so many of our drugs remain in China. And then, and then the fact that they can lie to us and unleash a virus like this on us and all this stuff, it's just, it, it seems to have changed our view. Is that, do you think that's correct? Look, I mean, the fact is, guys, we have a just-in-time supply chain. It is incredibly efficient. It leads to a lot of growth. And we've all, our companies have made a lot of money. Shareholders have made a lot of money. What we don't have is a just-in-case supply chain. If anything breaks... If you suddenly have a major disruption, we're in a lot of trouble. And a lot of that supply chain comes out of China, uh, whether it is electronics uh, or major consumer durables or our medical supply chain, our health care. So much of that is reliant on China. They don't have rule of law. Um, they don't have an independent judiciary. Uh, their state uh, has much more influence over their economy uh, than the private sector companies do. So it's hardly a free market. It's state capitalist. And, uh, and, and our relationship with them right now is not good. And it's probably going to get a lot worse. So, I mean, given all of that, it's pretty clear that we're going to need to think very differently about our supply chain, and we're going to bring a lot more manufacturing closer to where we actually consume those goods. But keep in mind that labor also is less important to capital. We don't need, not only has Chinese labor gotten a lot more expensive, um, but also uh, with robotics and automation and big data and deep learning and, and, uh, you know, and, and, and new types of manufacturing processes, you just don't need anywhere near the amount of labor to produce this stuff. So a lot of corporations had been thinking about changing their supply chain for a long time, and they didn't because they were making so much money. The CEOs didn't last very long. It's like, ah, let's have somebody else do that. Now that's going to happen. So the point that you made before we talked about socks, which <laughs> is that the most, important, the most important thing coming out of this crisis that we're going to have a very different relationship with China, I think is absolutely the case. The question is, do we go so far that it becomes a Cold War? Um, and I think it's plausible. And we also have to recognize China is a lot more powerful today than they were during the SARS crisis or during 2008. And there are a lot of countries around the world right now that see the way the Chinese have responded to this coronavirus crisis or the China virus, as Trump is saying, and how they're willing to provide a lot of humanitarian aid to the Europeans and the Middle Easterners and others there's going to be a lot more hedging of American allies towards Beijing and away from Washington, and that matters, too. Really? That's an interesting twist. Did not see that's that one coming. So, uh, yeah, it's a bad twist. I mean, think about it. After 9-11, when Al-Walid from Saudi Arabia and the Saudis proximately responsible for all of that, that's where most of the bombers came from, offered money to the New York to New York. So then Mayor Giuliani told him to go scratch. When Jack Ma comes to, China, to the United States, and offers us 500,000 masks and, and test kits that we can't produce ourselves right now. First of all, it hurts your heart. But second of all, it tells you just how, how different this global environment is. And, and we need to get our heads out of our asses a bit. We need to stop with the American exceptionalism. We have the best of everything, including healthcare. We don't. And we're going to have to actually start making sure that we do again. So Ian Bremmer, president and founder of Eurasia Group, is on the line. I watched the video. I'm sure you have, too, of the spokesperson for the Chinese Bureau of Foreign Affairs, in essence, saying there will be no decoupling. This is foolish. That You need to stop slandering China, et cetera. How, how concerned are the Chinese about uh, how this whole uh, you know, era has, has uh, hurt their reputation? 
Um, I think they're much less worried about how it's hurt their reputation. Um, You know, I remember during the earthquake in Indonesia, the big one and the tsunami that came afterwards, wiping out all of those towns, the Americans were boots on the ground in Indonesia almost immediately. And I mean, the, the massive grassroots support for the United States that came out of that was extraordinary. And the Japanese put a lot of money in real fast, the government and the private sector. And the Chinese were late and did almost nothing. I think they offered two or four million dollars, like a couple weeks after the fact. And and it really I mean, they were like, well, we're poor. We can't do anything. But it really undermined China as this, you know, have all this economic influence, all this trade, but really not not a properly functioning government. This is a very different place. And so even though the Chinese did cover up um, this coronavirus and while they were covering it up, allowed over a million people from Wuhan to travel outside to China and other countries. And that's why we suddenly got this massive expansion, this explosion of cases, not just across China, but also in Washington state and Iran and Italy. I mean, where did this come from? It came from Wuhan. Um, but since then, they cracked down very severely. They've gotten out of the depths of this um, uh, epidemiological crisis, even though their economy is still very slow, very quickly, while the Europeans are the epidemiological center of this breakout. And the Americans are only a couple weeks behind. Um, And the Chinese who produce the vast majority of the world's medical supplies and also have an awful lot of medical personnel are now using that both in terms of selling it, but also providing it um, for, and there will be a bill to be paid long-term um, to all these countries around the world. It's, it's very clear the Chinese feel in a much stronger place where after the 2008 financial crisis, it was the Americans that were leading the charge in the G20. We were the ones doing the big stimulus, both uh, for Wall Street and for Detroit. We were the ones coordinating with other central bank governors around the world. There's been no such coordination this time around, and and there doesn't seem to be any plan. New York Times had this video they put together of uh, China's propaganda uh, effort, both domestically there in China and for the world, that was pretty impressive. I was looking at some of the, they have these TV shows that look like Ellen and Oprah, and they're spouting all this crap about what a great job they did of handling it and isn't Xi amazing and all this sort of stuff. They're really good at that sort of thing, aren't they? Yeah, they really are. We used to be really good at it. We had radio for Europe, um, and, uh, you know, we would really uh, propound um, American values. And it wasn't hard to do because the United States was doing so well and leading by example in so many ways. Um, that now today, I would argue that the Chinese, a lot of it is propaganda because the treatment of the average Chinese citizen, of course, is nothing that anyone in the United States or Europe or Canada would tolerate. Uh, but their propaganda um, has gotten certainly uh, they're putting a lot more money into it. The production values are very high. And they also increasingly have some messages that they can actually sell that 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 resonates with others around the world. So, I mean, coming out of this crisis, the Chinese model is going to look a lot more robust and, and no one will be able to say it's a U.S. led order anymore. I mean, that 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 will be formally gone. Interesting. Ian Bremmer, president and founder of Eurasia Group. Uh, always enjoy the chat, Ian. Thanks for uh, carving us out a couple of minutes. Let's talk again soon. Good talking, guys. Good Thanks. Yeah. You know, you know the, the, um, the uh, I'm up with America part of me, which is a lot of me. It's like most of me. It's practically all of me. 
really hates hearing people saying that, and my my re- reaction is always ah. So people saying that sort of stuff. But if but if China makes most of the world's medical supplies, for instance. You that know. means most of the world is on the hook to the Chinese. Right. That means right. something. Right. And they and they're they're the one that get to yank the leash this way or that. Not us. Right. right. The way it was for a very long time with practically everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, there are a couple of kinds of patriotism. There's the rah rah all the time dancing Uncle Sam outfit type of patriotism, which is fine. It's ha- it has its role, but you know, I just I tend and, and people who I talk to about the country tend to have more of a I don't know. I it, maybe a good example would be like Bill Belichick, the head coach of the Patriots. He loves the Patriots and the Patriots organization. Therefore, he is utterly clear-eyed about what it does well, what it needs to work on, and what it's doing poorly. And he's utterly clear-headed about it the, the Patriots opponents and what they're doing well, and how we need to counter them. And and a lot of other countries aren't our opponents at all, not in a significant way. China is an opponent. Oh, absolutely. And so to say, wow, we've really become dependent on China, and we've lost our manufacturing capacity in something like pharmaceuticals, which is critical to national security, that's that's not a lack of patriotism, man. That's being honest. It reminds me to keep the sports thing going of when you've got, like, a team you're rooting for is really good. And and we might as well keep on this metaphor, because ain't any real sports right now. Go ahead. <laughs> when a team is, you know, like a championship team or whatever, it happens with them all the time, and they kind of get in their head that they're going to win just because of your jersey, just mm-hmm. because of the name on the jersey. You're, yeah, we automat- we're better than everybody else. Right. Well, sometimes you get exposed as for having some problems. The good thing is, sometimes it's just, you just need to be reminded because you actually are better than everybody else. Yes. I, the, 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 we are that. We are actually the championship <laughs> team. Just not playing like it for a while. Right. Not perfect, but absolutely a great deal to be proud of. And Our system is better than their system. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And we just have to make sure it stays that way. And so, you know, it's it, it, a realistic person understands both are true. We are the greatest country on earth with the greatest system and the greatest constitution and the rest of it. And we have stuff we need to work on. Don't believe the crap coming out of the universities that America is the most racist country on earth and it's based on slavery. You know, oh, please. That's garbage. But, you know, be a realist. So I've been complaining about you prepper weirdos. Somebody pointed out I've got my anger pointed in the wrong direction. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.